grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we begin a new series called Master Plan based on the verse, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. We have a choice to make when it comes to how we shape our lives. Do we build our life on the soft sand of this crazy world or upon the solid rock of God's Word? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today's part one of the message called Don't Be Houston. You'll find out why in a minute. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Master plan. Now, what is a master plan? Some of you may have never really been involved in a master planning process. Well, I have a picture of a master plan here. Let's take a look at it. That's a master plan. In fact, you've probably seen that one before. That is the master plan developed for River City Community Church. I mean, that's, that's, it's not, master plan is not God, but it's, it's based on what we see God saying and what we kind of are envisioning based on his direction. We see that the 110 acre campus that we have could, could be that. We have a school, sports field, things like that. So that's what a master plan is. And here's why a master plan is so important. Because if you don't have one, you know, we got 110 acres and we start to have needs. We need a children's facility or we need something. We start popping buildings up. That's how to mess up a piece of property. And a very dangerous thing is to have 110 acres and a leader like me who's like creative, lots of new ideas, who kind of often says, you know, what if we, and, and then you have an enabler like Willie Mayfield who has been my God-gifted enabler for like our whole ministry together. Because I'll go, man, I wonder what, what if we did, and Willie's like, we could do that. Really? Oh, yeah, we could do that. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> so many things early on in our ministry together, it was like this crazy idea or whatever. And, and then you add to the fact that I, I'm really cheap, and it's, that's how it happens, right? And so all these things would happen, it was great. But when we got on this property, we quickly realized, okay, that could get us in trouble. Right? We could get ourselves in trouble. If we just started popping up buildings, okay? And so we kind of came to that place where we said, okay, we got to stop, and anything we do has to kind of be in service of something bigger. What God gave us this. What's the vision for? What does he see? And so we come up with a master plan. That's what it is. And so when you decide you need a master plan, that everything kind of begins to conform to and kind of work within, your first decision is, okay, who's going to create this master plan? Who's going to do that? And that's obviously the architect. The architect's the one that's going to do that. We had a really good relationship with our architect who built this, who designed this building for us and who worked it into the existing stuff. So we said, hey, we'd like to talk to you guys about helping us develop a master plan. And that's how we went about that. We'll talk more about that in a minute, more about the architect. But before I go there, I want, I want to kind of convince you, you need a master plan. I need a master plan, Okay. In the context of our lives, we have got to have a master plan because we can do as much damage as, you know, Willie and I and the other leaders could do with this campus if we're not careful. You need a master plan because here's the deal. Without a master plan, you become Houston, and you don't want to become Houston, okay? You do not want to become Houston. I have some good friends from Houston. In fact, one of them now works here, and they were very offended by this, which is kind of just a little added bonus, Okay? You notice the title, Don't Be Houston. Now, Houston, let me explain that. Houston was a city that didn't have zoning laws, just hadn't done it. And then the oil boom hits years ago, and all of a sudden, 
all sorts of people start moving there. All sorts of development starts happening. All sorts of money is there. And they just start building, building, building. They are still dealing with the issues from some of those decisions in Houston. Here's a few pictures. Take a look. Let's take a look at Houston. Some of you are like, I can't believe you're showing us that picture here on Sunday morning, Sean. It's just to show you that is obviously an adult entertainment place right by a mall, right by a skyscraper. Where else do you see that? How do you not love Houston? I mean, there it is, right there. Next picture. How'd you like that? Your beautiful home and everything, and they're building that behind it. I guess if you're going to work in that building, that's fine. But other than that, that's a pain. Next one. There you go. Nice neighborhood. I think it even looks like a little cul-de-sac there and that behind it. It's like, is anybody even thinking about this stuff? And, and now these next two are just particularly dear to me. That metal building, a very nice residential street, residential area, townhomes behind it. That metal building is a, a crematorium. If you don't know what that is, that's where they cremate people who have passed away. Look at the next picture. That's the same building at, at work. Isn't that nice? You're having your, your barbecue, and it's like, oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, don't be Houston. You've you got to have a plan. And the problem is, without a master plan, that's what you become. And, and some of you are like, well, come on. Houston's a big city. It's complex. All the moving pieces. Our life isn't like that. Well, I want to challenge that statement. I, I, think, I think it is. Think of all the different pieces in your life and in my life, okay? Think about family and all that entails and all the moving pieces and decisions and dynamics that happen. How about your home? You know, your, your home. Everybody who's got a home knows you don't just buy a home, you don't just rent a home. You then got to live in the home, you got to maintain the home and all this stuff. We, we, our home is in a beautiful kind of wooded setting and it's very relaxing and yet I can't vacation at my home because it's my home. And you're sitting there and you're kind of relaxing and trying to breathe in nature and commune with God and all of a sudden it's like, well, I got to fix that. Oh, wait, uh, that guy, remember we were going to call the guy. And uh, Oh, wait, but oh, that, we never did get that done. Oh, we got to get that. And, and all of a sudden, all this stuff starts coming, and it's because it's your home, and there's all the stuff to take care of when it comes to your home. How about your job? All that that entails, your career, think about that. Your goals. We have goals, things that we want to accomplish, things that we are part of the bigger plan for our life. It's part of the plan. How about Finances. All the different things, you know, finances, you're not even going to get out of the parking lot today probably before you have to think about finances or you talk about finances or make some decision related to finances. Your future, I'm not just talking about retirement, although that's a big one. I'm talking about just where do I want to be 5, 10, 15 years from now? How about your health? Have health decisions, health issues we have to wrestle with. Fitness. This is January. We're all in the fitness mode right now. It's awesome. We haven't stopped yet. That comes in February. But right now, we are awesome. We are all over it because it's January. Love this month. Fitness issues. How about recreation? I mean, you, you think about what we do for recreation or vacations and things like that and all the planning and preparation for all those things. Entertainment. So decisions. It's part of our life. It's what we do. Kids. Focus down on our kids and raising kids and the decisions we're going to have to make with them. How about school? Sports? How's that all going to fit together? College? Haven't even talked about friendships. Our network of friends, our relationships, navigating those. Church? 
ministry, service, community involvement, world events. See, that's, that's just a quick list I wrote down in a few minutes of 20 things. If we sat here with a whiteboard, we could probably come up with 40 more that we all are actively engaged with. That's just a quick list of 20. And they all have, listen, they all have different facets and factors that we have to navigate. Now imagine if each of those things had only 10 factors and facets we had to navigate. If it only had 10, which I think we would all agree is really low side. Okay, that would make 200 different moving pieces we have to engage with regularly, even weekly. See, how are all those things connected? What order do we put them in? What's our priority? If you don't answer these questions, every one of these become its own little competing agenda. 200 competing agendas working against each other all the time. Some of you are looking at me right now going, oh, you just described my life. That's it. Hundreds of competing agendas pulling at me all the time. See, all these pieces have to work together in service of a master plan. Goals have to be evaluated in light of the master plan. Priorities and timelines have to be established in light of the master plan. Decisions are ultimately made in light of the master plan. The problem is a whole lot of people go through life without any master plan. And what happens is you end up just winging it, juggling each thing as it comes at them. You become a person who reacts. You don't respond according to a bigger set of values and a bigger plan. You react. Oh, this came. I got to deal with it. Oh, this, this. And we feel overwhelmed and exhausted because we're just at the whim of circumstances because we don't have a master plan. Well, I want to share with you a little bit what I think God has to say about that. I think the first thing God says is don't be Houston, okay? Don't be Houston. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 127. Very simple, very brief little passage that you're probably familiar with, maybe you've heard before. But I think there's some powerful, profound truths that we need to pause and reflect on from this passage as we take a look at it. Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Let me read that again. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders, the one who are building it, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain vain. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that we would hear you. Give us the courage to hear you openly and the courage to follow you in obedience. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Don't Be Houston in the series Master Plan which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the spirit filled life. 
I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Don't Be Houston. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. I think there are three very important ideas in this passage that are stated. The first is that the house of your life needs to be built. Now, this isn't construction advice. He's not talking about a little house, right? He's talking about the things that we are building, the things that we are engaging. Really, he's talking about our life. The house of your life must be built. It's not going to happen by accident. It doesn't just pop up one day. It's not set in stone. No, the house of your life has to be built. It has to be something that's done intentionally, systematically, and if you say, well, no, I just kind of wing it, then you're building something, but it's probably not something you want to build. The house of your life must be built, and that must be an intentional, deliberate process. A second truth of this is kind of the house or the city of your life needs to be guarded. Not only does it have to be built intentionally with with intentional, specific direction and action, but it has to be guarded because there are always going to be forces that try to come in and take away, that try to distract, that try to undermine what is being built. It has to be guarded. And the third idea, which I think is the main idea, is that the Lord is the only one fit to design, to build, and to sustain your life as he created it. All else is in vain. The Lord is the only one fit to design, build, and sustain your life as he created it. All else is in vain. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down with me. The most important decision of your master plan is who will be the architect. It's who will be the architect. The most important decision of your master plan is who will be the architect. That's where we had to start. That's where you have to start. See, free will means we have a choice. God gave us a free will as people. He doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't force his plan on us. He doesn't force any of it on us. We have a choice. And typically people, when it comes to this kind of thing, they make one of four choices, okay? The first is that I am my own architect. I'm the captain of my own fate. Nobody's going to tell me I do what I want when I want. I will do it the way I want. I did it my way is the theme song, right? That's one way to approach it. Kind of with me as the center, self as the center. I'm my own architect, the captain of my own fate. A second way that people kind of respond to this or a decision they make is that family or someone else close to me shapes my decisions. The, maybe it's a spouse who's the architect of your master plan or a parent or even a child is the architect of your master plan. The strongest personality in the room, the strongest person around me, they're going to be the architect of my master plan. I kind of just go along to get along. A third way that people do this is I think sometimes they find a a guru or a role model. Maybe there's someone in your profession that you you admire and they've written some books or something and they seem to have it all and they've got a plan and you're working your life according to their plan that they've put out in their books and it's kind of how you do it. You've got a guru, an expert who's helping set up the, is the architect really of your plan. I've seen some people, I've seen Christian people do this with uh, Dave Ramsey with Dave Ramsey. He, uh, and I'm, you got to understand something. I'm a fan. I, I love Dave Ramsey's stuff. I think if you have financial issues, his material is great stuff. Even if you don't, it just 
help you kind of understand how resources work and how to, to handle them in a way that honors God. But I've seen people take that overboard and all of a sudden everything is revolving around our financial plan. The one non-negotiable is our financial plan. And it's according to Dave Ramsey's deal. Everything's about my finances, my holdings, my legacy, and all these things. And they build this kind of thing. And everything else becomes negotiable. I want to say that's an imbalance. See, Dave Ramsey can't develop your life plan. I don't care if someone has a book. I don't care. I don't even care if they're a a, a highly sought-after podcaster. (laughs) Yeah, I don't care. I don't care what they have. Dave Ramsey's not up to making your master plan. I'm not the person who should make your master plan. No. The architect of your master plan, this is the fourth decision that I think, and this is, I think, the best decision we can make. I choose to let the creator and designer of all things build the blueprint by which I build my life. The one who created me, the one who knows me, the one who designed me for a purpose, I let him be the architect of my life. See, that's the core idea. That's what I want you to wrestle with. See, Psalm 127 This is a strong passage. You have to decide if you believe this. Do you really believe unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain? Do you believe that? To your credit, only a few of you are really bold in that. Because a lot of us go, well, you know, in vain, really? I mean, I've got a plan for my life, and I want God to bless my plan. Oh, Lord, bless my plan. Isn't it beautiful? I want God to come in and kind of blow some fairy dust on my plan that I didn't let him have a role in developing, but I want him to blow some fairy dust on it so that it just blossoms and flourishes because that's what God does. And I want him to bless my plan. See, that's not what the scripture's talking about. This scripture comes and it's pretty hard hitting unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. You have to decide if you believe that. See, the writer of Ecclesiastes talked about going through life and trying out everything the world had to offer. He came to the conclusion towards the end of his life, it's all vanity. It's all, I've tried it all. It's all vanity. I don't know if you've ever met someone who's a true seeker who has had a lot of success and made a lot of money and uh, gotten to that place in life where they've achieved kind of all the things the world says are really important. And is honest enough to say, but that didn't fill me. It didn't satisfy me. I thought it would, but it didn't. See, what they're saying in a different way is it was vanity. Doesn't mean it was bad. It just meant it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. It wasn't what it advertised. It didn't meet my need. It was vanity. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying. That's what the psalmist is saying. They labor in vain unless the Lord builds it because he created us and he designed us for a purpose my challenge for us today is the most important decision the most important decision of your master plan is who will be the architect who will be the architect and with the psalmist i say unless the lord is it's all in vain now a couple observations a couple ways that we do this ways that we make him the architect of our plan number one trust his plan but seek his presence. Trust his plan, but seek his presence. I'm going to read a passage of scripture that people get all fired up about. So some people are going to have church right now. Some people are going to get excited. We're going to get all Pentecostal in here, okay? It's Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm, yeah, I even say the passage and you start going, mm, that's good. Mm. 
love this passage of Scripture. Some people, this is like they just have this up at the house because it's just like, this is what I want to know. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that is completely 100% true. That is God's plan because it's in the Word of God and it's true. The problem is that's not where the thought ends. He goes on. See, we get this and we get fired up about this. Yes, I love that word. I love that word prosper. Mm, Lord, make it so. Mm, Hope and a future. I like that. That sounds good. And we get all fired up and excited. What we're missing is how to accomplish that. How is that going to happen? And that's the next couple verses. That's verses 12 and 13. They go on to say, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And then verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, the plan begins with his presence, not the other way around. See, we're not told to seek his plan. We're told to seek him. And that is very different. I talk to all kinds of people. And they they want to know God's will. They want to know God's plan. And I've got this decision to make it through work or my career. And I want to go know God's will and plan. Pray for me, pastor. And that's an awesome thing. We should pray for that. That's a good thing. I've got this financial need or this financial decision I need to make. I need God's plan. I need God's will. Pray for me. I got this issue with my kids and it's really important. I need God's plans. I need God's will. And that's awesome. Those are good things. We should be praying for those and seeking him. But let me just say to you, if you're seeking his plan and you've never sought his presence, you are doing this backwards. We're missing it. We start by seeking his presence. The very essence of his plan comes out of his presence. And if we try to get the plan without the presence, it doesn't work. We're supposed to seek him, not just his plan. Someone asked, well, how do I seek him? How is it that I go about seeking him? We're going to talk about some ways in just a moment, ways that you can seek him, seek to get close to him, seek to hear him. Because he's our father. He's not wanting to relate to us as, as some sort of employer who gives us kind of, here's the instructions. Here's, you know, they, he posts it online somewhere. We kind of do the job and then cl- click that we completed it. The, the plan is secondary to the relationship. He wants to relate to us as sons and daughters. You know, and we sometimes want to relate to him as kind of genie in the bottle. Like, I, well, I, I want him to do what I want. I want him to bless my plan and stuff, but then I want him to go back in the bottle because I want to kind of work my, work my deal. It doesn't work that way. How do we seek him then? Look, look at what the scripture says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I don't think we need to worry so much about how to seek him. I'll give you some ways that will help. He says you will find me. He's not hiding out there. He's not like playing hide and seek and trying to trick you. He will be found, he says, when we seek him with all our heart. When our true heart is to seek our Father. Not for what he can give us, not for the stuff, not for the plan, not for the wisdom, not for anything. We seek him because he's our Father. He created us, he loves us, and he wants us to seek him. When we do that, he says, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Remember what the psalmist wrote? As the deer pants thirsts for water, so my soul pants it thirsts for you, God. When we thirst for his presence, when our heart seeks him and desires him, he says, you will find me. So the beginning of finding him is simply to have a heart for him, not simply what he can do for us. 
See, the most important decision of your master plan is who will be the architect. Second way we do that is we build on the foundation of his word. We build on the foundation of his word. Yes, we trust his plan, but we seek his presence. But then we begin to build on the foundation of his word. Now, these few verses I'm going to read for you are just this incredible close of the Sermon on the Mount. You remember the Sermon on the Mount? There's a couple different places that that material is covered in the scripture, but one is Matthew 5 through 7. And near the beginning of Jesus' ministry, it's been called the Magna Carta of the kingdom of God. This is powerful teaching. It begins with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he just, then he goes on, and he, and he speaks, and he shares this radical, challenging teaching on the kingdom of God. And he wraps up after that teaching with these kind of words in summation. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it didn't fall, because it had its foundation on the rock of his words. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series Master Plan, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.